You're listening to episode 24 with Chris Wolf, creator and host of Adventure Hydrology. This episode is sponsored by Drop Counter. Hi, this is Chris Long, professor of philosophy and dean of the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the transformative power of education. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. We're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. So recently, we attended the Water Smart Innovations Conference in Las Vegas and, and presented with the wonderful Marianne Dickinson and the folks at Drop Counter about supporting Spanish-speaking customers. And I don't know if you knew, but Spanish-speaking homes, at least where we work, make up a considerable amount of the customers served by utilities. And too many times, utilities are not supporting that customer block with appropriate content or messaging. And that can be hard. Not every utility has Spanish speakers on staff. But with Drop Counter, you can build those relationships to create impact. JobCounter is an all-in-one customer portal for water utilities that supports English-speaking staff with their Spanish-speaking customers. And let me tell you, it's not straightforward. It's not just a Google Translate. No, it is not. Find out more about JobCounter and the work to support Spanish-speaking customers at vh2duo.com forward slash JobCounter. Welcome everybody to our Imagine a Day Without Water episode. So if you didn't already know, Imagine a Day Without Water is a national campaign one day in October to raise awareness about the value of water and investing in the infrastructure, technology, and the people, you know, who make sure that we have water and wastewater services every single day, 365, 24-7. We took a different approach and spoke with Chris Wolf, who is the creator and host of Adventure Hydrology, which is a YouTube series that we no joke think is going to be the next Nat Geo series, for real. It's amazing. So Chris is a hydrologist who teaches water through the lens of adventure. And we couldn't think of a better person to talk to on this topic because we can't imagine a day without water both flowing from a faucet or cascading down a waterfall, which we're pretty sure Chris has probably rappelled down at some point. So from exploring caves in Iceland to summiting Mount Yale in the Rockies, Chris talks to us about his take on educating the next generation of water nerds and how we all have a responsibility to tell water story through our own story. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Chris Wolf is a hydrologist adventurer and storyteller who is using his passion for the environment and his love for exploration to change the way we learn about this little blue planet we all call home. For over a decade, Chris worked as a hydrologist for organizations such as the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, New Mexico Environment Department, and County of San Diego. Seeing the need for a new way to communicate water and natural resource science, Chris founded Adventure Hydrology in 2018. Adventure Hydrology is a social media forward platform that uses the lens of adventure to teach people about our amazing world. Chris is also working to make Adventure Hydrology a channel where other scientists, researchers, volunteers, and activists can share their stories as we come together to inspire and engage others to explore, discover, and protect our amazing world. Now you can howl. Ow, ow, ow! <laughs> so, Chris, water nerd to water nerd. Why water? What led you to the blue side? <laughs> blue side, I like that. So, yeah. So what led me to water is... Actually, let me start again. I'm originally from the Midwest, and if you've ever visited St. Louis, 
you will know that there's a really, really big river next to it. And that river affects everybody's life out there from flooding um, to just the humidity and everything about it um, really influences the way you grow up as a child, the thunderstorms, the rain. And I've always been a big outdoorsman and someone who loves hiking, climbing, camping, you name it. I love being outside. And so when I was deciding on a career, you know, one of those questions you ask yourself in high school and college and then maybe graduate program as well, <laughs> and then even postgraduate, you know, what, what am I doing? I wanted to do something for the environment and for nature and something I loved, something I wanted to be surrounded by. And I realized through some trials and tribulations that water is, is my path. Water deals with everything from food production to manufacturing to the smartphones we put up to our heads to waking up for that glass of water after um, perhaps too many glasses of beer to beer production. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is everything. So I think the reason I've, I've headed towards the blue side, again, I, I like that a lot, is that everybody relies on water. Everything relies on water. And it's such an important topic that often I feel we are missing out on. We're, we don't hear it in the news as much or we don't see it on TV. We turn on a tap and boom, there's our water or our shower or, 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 but um, <laughs> yeah, it's water's everywhere. We just don't recognize it. And I, right. I think now what I want to do and the reason I've uh, led this charge in adventure hydrology is because I think people need to be more aware. So that's, that's why I'm part of the blue side. Well, we're definitely kindred spirits, uh, so much so that we didn't even like begin by saying hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> we just went to, hey, what's up? <laughs> How are you ladies doing this fine day? We're doing fantastic. Um, yeah, and that and that little river that Chris was talking about growing up to was just a small one. You may not have even really noticed it on the map, but um, it's the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, one of the longest rivers in our country, one of the longest in the world. Uh, yeah, it's about a mile wide where yeah. I lived. And wow. now living in the West, most of the rivers I'm around, <laughs> oh, wow, I would be surprised if they're a mile wide. And many of them you can walk across. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's pretty insane when you compare the differences. Yeah. Um, also, thanks for bringing me on your Water and Real Life podcast. Wanted to thank you for that as well. Since we said the hello in the beginning, just jumped right in. I, I wanted to say thanks for letting me be here with you today. Of course, man. Yeah. We're pumped about you being here. Um, yeah, our friend Ryan Beltran, um, who does, he's his own little video producer down in San Antonio. He's the one that actually is like, you guys really need to follow this guy. The stuff he's doing is really awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, like he's a huge, he's adventure hydrology. So duh, like the connection mm -hmm. yeah. was pretty was pretty uh, yeah. obvious. So we were like, of course we need to reach out to you. So thank you for responding to that random Instagram message. <laughs> yeah, of course. Great to be um, connected. So your show Adventure Hydrology is about teaching water through the lens of adventure, which I, I love how you're putting that, that spin on it. How is this approach, hashtag bringing sexy back <laughs> for water, <laughs> like what led you to this connection? I've recognized in talking to people about what I do and saying I'm a hydrologist and I get a not 
I usually get a question of what is a hydrologist, but huh? I, I get it with, it's with water. Yeah, the huh. Yeah. And that's great. That's actually, that's why I say I'm a hydrologist because I want someone to ask that question. Yeah. And so well, you've earned I've, that I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so when it comes to the water side, the hydrology side, I've, I've kind of recognized, again, people don't realize how important water is in, in life in general for everything, every aspect of it. But why? Why don't they know what hydrology is? People know what geology is. People know mm. what um, biology is, ecology, more or less. You know, maybe not the nuances of it. But water is so important. Why don't people know what hydrology is? And and so I said, okay, how can I change that? How can I get people to recognize water, or to realize how important water is? And what what would be the sexy thing? What can make science, what can make water sexy? What can, as you said, hashtag bring sexy back. <laughs> and uh, thanks Justin Timberlake for that. Hey. Um, yeah. He can come on the He's podcast too and talk mine. about water. Yeah, exactly. I, I've never met him, but I'm sure we'd be pals. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think utilizing adventure, the lens of adventure is, as you so put, and, and I say all the time as well, is the sexy catch it's it's getting out there and climbing a mountain and talking about then snowpack or whitewater rafting a river and talking about what makes the river whitewater rafting you know if there's less if there's more why is this a dam charge um you know it's a release how is that dam influencing the flow of the river and thus that raft mm -hmm. uh, glissading sitting on your butt and cruising down snowpack what if you can't do that what if it's uh you know, farmland, what if we're talking about canyoneering? How, how has water shaped our world? So using adventure, that sexy side, that catch to make then water sexy is, is what I'm doing. So hiking, climbing, running, rafting, shoot, if, if I can find a way to skydive through clouds, I bet you I can tie that to water. <laughs> okay, yeah. We've been talking okay. about a way to partner with you of how to do like the- I'm gonna need like a year of like working out. <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, I mean, that sounds fun, but I'm already winded thinking about hiking and glaciering. And if you've seen any of his videos, you know that he's not afraid to be winded, though. I love that because you're like probably walking up a straight up mountain and you're like winded. Like when I go to the down the hall to get coffee, like if it was me, I'd be like, <gasps> like yeah, maybe, but you know, that's. We got to work I out too. You, we'll work yeah, out. exactly. We'll, we'll get you out. guys there. Yeah, it's I I do this. That's the part of the fun is actually training for the adventures. So I'll set my adventure uh, in, in yeah. advance, and then I I'll run around and exercise <laughs> and stay active and yeah. you know get away from the adventure hydrology side and focus on on this. But it's all the same circle to me. It's mm -hmm. me being in shape to climb a mountain is and a help with the episode. Deal. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And then I can actually talk sometimes. Yeah when I'm climbing. So, nice. You've so, yeah. a few words there that I've never heard. Did you say canyoneering? Canyoneering? Canyoneering, yeah. Is that like going through a canyon? Yes, more or less. Okay. So a lot of these canyons, you'll see a lot of it in Utah or the desert southwest, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And you essentially take a wetsuit and you descend into a canyon via some rope systems. Holy and then you hike through wow. the canyon. Yeah, it sometimes the only way back um, out Hmm? Nothing. She's being I'm country. Being yeah. No, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Canyoneering. It, it's kind of, 
also terrifying because once you get into these slot canyons, sometimes they're not very far. Um, well, width-wise, sometimes they're very long. Mm, yeah. You can also find pools of water that never see the sun, and those pools of water are freezing, hence the wetsuit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. That's amazing. I was like, there must be water down there, or either that, or you're gonna, you're sweating a lot for that wetsuit. <laughs> and then there was another one. Was it the mm-hmm. something about the glacial glaciering? Oh yeah. Um, it's called glissading. Glissading. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's a really cool way to say on snow and on a slope, you just sit down on your butt and slide. That's oh, okay. So that that's how I will go when someone's like, let's go skiing. I'm like, okay, I'll glissade <laughs> while you ski. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. my hill or my mountain is like a bunny slope. Yeah. Yeah. Like glissade. Yeah. And that's fine. It's, as long as you're moving on your butt and you're controlled, that's, that's the technical mountaineering term glissading. Oh, I'm a mountaineer. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you have I've, to be controlled though. He just said controlled. Okay. I can only imagine oh. going down a mountain on your ass, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's your definition. Yeah. You know, okay. if, if it's, Love it. you're, I, sometimes I'm wildly in control. And by that, I mean, you know, not at all. So, <laughs> but that's part of the fun. You got to be safe. I was actually on Mount Adams recently and it's a volcano up in the, well, Cascades of Washington. And it's about 12,000 feet from the top. We pretty much glissaded. Oh shoot. I would want to say almost a mile down from <laughs> like, thousands of feet. You get like a wedgie? Mm, no. <laughs> Nothing that you want to put on air. Okay. No, it wasn't gotcha. necessarily a wedgie. I wear I wear uh, space underwear. You know, hy- adventure hydrology underwear, patented brand. Oh God! Can we um, sell these? Can adventures? we sell it in our online store? Absolutely. I just. It's like Ellen branded. It's like Ellen selling all her boxer briefs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Those yes. branded. Exactly. Did adventure hydrology dungarees. <laughs> Of course you do. The first time we talked to this kid, he's not a kid. The first time we talked to this dude on video chat was wearing these like craziest, they're called what? Glacial, glacier glasses? Glacier glasses. Mm -hmm. He has like the coolest swag. Glacier glasses, space (laughs) underwear. Yeah. Pretty. Hey, I'm always looking for uh, sponsorships and partnerships. So when people (laughs) hear this spectacular podcast and they're like, dang, I need to be a part of this. I need to put my logo on those glacier goggles. I need to sponsor some space draws. Exactly. Hey, gloves, you name it, hats, whatever. All right. So before we made our entrepreneurial leap, um, we worked in municipal government for 10 years or so. And I see that, yep, I see that you spent some time um, in the government world. Can you give us your uh, take and your time on working for the feds? The feds, yeah. (laughs) So as, as you kind of said in the, the bio or my kind of background, I've actually been a hydrologist for about 11 years now, man, that long. And I've worked for government organizations the entire time, smaller ones, municipalities, water districts, mm-hmm. and as you said, the Fed. And, <laughs> and actually my favorite position was working for the federal government and I was a hydrologist for the Fish and Wildlife Service in Region 2 headquarters, which is actually located in Albuquerque. Region 2 is, yeah, it's super cool. But it also is, it's in Texas. It covers Texas, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, Arizona, and New Mexico. And that's Region 2. And it is a diverse set of issues when you're talking water. So the lack thereof, sometimes there's too much. Mm -hmm. You're talking cave systems in Oklahoma. You're talking desert ecosystems in Southwest Arizona. 
So being a hydrologist in the Albuquerque area and for the Fish and Wildlife Service was absolutely awesome. You got to travel and explore and understand how tropical ecosystems work with hydrology and how all these other varieties of ecosystems work. Um, the people I worked with were also awesome. They were very passionate about their job. It seemed like we got to move forward with projects that were ambitious and robust, and we didn't know if they would work, but we're trying to restore streams, so the hell with it. Let's just do it. Let's design this. Let's plan it. Let's put this into action. And that kicks ass, because in the other governments and organizations I've worked for, as I imagine you two will probably agree, there's some red tape. And a lot of time it's not, and this is my opinion, it's not what's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's what's the political thing to do. And they're not always the same thing. And that, that aggravates the hell out of me. Um, yeah. At the Fish and Wildlife Service, that was still there. But mm-hmm. it seemed like because we were at the top of the food chain, we're the Fed, we yeah. got to make the decisions. We had to follow our regulations. There was no trickle-down regulation, no pun intended. <laughs> um, or pun intended, I don't know. Water. We should throw in some water jokes here today, I guess. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, it was the, the work you do as a hydrologist for the federal government is fantastic. It puts you in remote places that a lot of people don't explore, that don't get the chance to see, um, and refuges sometimes that haven't been open to the public that are, are protecting endangered species that you don't even know about. And that, thank God for, for this little stint at the Fish and Wildlife Service, that is what gave me the idea for adventure hydrology. Um, while a hydrologist at Fish and Wildlife Service, I jumped in ATVs with a bunch of fish biologists, drove up the Rio Grande where it has been totally diverted. I drove up the river. The rivers. Yeah, sorry. Here, let me, I'll go into a little more detail. Everyone knows that the river was so dry that you could drive up it. (laughs) Yes. So during the, I'll give quick context. During the summer, the Rio Grande is totally diverted out of its banks for irrigation purposes and Mm -hmm. primarily for animal feed. So Mm -hmm. alfalfa and and hay and things that we don't eat, Um, which has, agriculture is very important. So I'm not going to knock on that. But in doing so, they essentially, they being the diverters, destroy the river. It, the Rio Grande is the fourth largest river system in the United States. And this year, for 80 miles, it was diverted. And 80 miles in context of, at least where I live, San Diego to Disneyland, or to mm. LA-ish. Right. Um, and that's, that's insane. The, the fourth largest river is almost 100 miles dry. And so what we did at the Fish and Wildlife Service is we got in ATVs, put on helmets, you know, safety first, and then literally drove through the river and the mud and the gunk that was the fourth largest river until we found water. Then we got our nets out and started saving fish as quickly as we could. These tiny little fish are essentially the bottom of the ecosystem. And if we didn't rescue them, the entire ecosystem for 80 miles plus yeah. would collapse. Right. The Fish and Wildlife Service has been doing this for 20 plus years Mm -hmm. and no one knows about it Mm, until now. Yep. And so that's what I'm doing. That's what gave me the idea for adventure hydrology is thanks to federal government and thanks to the Fish and Wildlife Service, I found out something I never knew. Mm -hmm. And if, if that didn't happen, I don't know if I would have the, 
the entrepreneurial spirit to say the heck with it. Let's start showing people how amazing this world is and the problems that we're facing with it. Telling I love story. that you felt so stirred that you took some major action. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And that's, that's what we're trying to really um, get people to, to not be so afraid of is I'm not saying everyone quit their job and start their own business, but just to, feel so stirred, um, as our mentor Greg likes to say, holy discontent mm-hmm. that you've got to take action. You don't have a choice. You have to take some sort of action. Yeah, so. exactly. And if anyone wants to see that story for themselves, uh, you actually have an episode that talks about the Rio Grande. And I actually saw that when I was in Albuquerque and was like, <laughs> and shared it with like everyone there. Cause like this is your river yep. and every single time we were leaving uh, or we were going somewhere different there every time we crossed we were trying to get pictures of the Rio Grande but it was uh it wasn't dry then but mm-hmm. if you want to see it there is a there is an episode on your YouTube channel that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. you can see it in real life yeah adventure hydrology youtube and yeah it it really depends where you cross the rio grande mm-hmm. once you start getting south that's where the diversions kick in and yeah as soon as they turn off the river you'll you can actually over a course of a couple of weeks see the river retreating upstream to where the where it's actually still alive and i use air quotes i know podcasts but alive right Just yeah, imagine those air, air quotes, quotes. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So you kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of this red tape that can come from, uh, well, either working in government, all industry has some form of red tape, I think. But um, Mm -hmm. what are some ways that you feel like we as an industry, meaning either water or the environmental, um, or just as a cause in general, like, how do we get in our own way sometimes? Like, what are some of the hurdles that you've had to face once you became an outsider or I'm using air quotes now, an outsider <laughs> deemed an outsider by the rest of the industry? Sure. Well, the red tape you said is everywhere. It's even what I'm facing with adventure hydrology. I've, I've ran some red tape that essentially negated episodes. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't get through the barriers that were required of me to take take my show on the road to so to speak Mm -hmm. um but i think as an industry we don't want to we don't want to maybe scare people or we are worried that they won't understand what we're telling them and that makes sense there's a lot of jargon there's a lot of words we use that are really big and Mm -hmm. there's words i use in daily life that are I don't know, annoying for me to use, but <laughs> yeah, but for the right people, it makes sense. Um, I would say that that gets in, in our industry, I think that gets in our way. And I would say um, when it comes to government organizations, you don't know what some of the management wants, what some of the leadership wants. And at a bottom-up level where boots on the ground is one thing, but when management has a different plan or different idea or, uh, you know, their constituents aren't active in certain ways, then, then it can stifle progress, um, which is a bummer. And then I guess as an outsider now, um, it was easy to share information across 
different scientists, other hydrologists would share their data and share their yeah. knowledge and insight. And I could join them on, I call them adventures now, but at, at just normal work. <laughs> that has become a bit more tricky because I, I wonder if it's, if they want that to be, if they want their stories told. Yeah. I was at a conference, fantastic group of hydrologists and biologists up in, in region six for the Fish and Wildlife Service in Utah and got to speak about adventure hydrology and saw some amazing presentations and the work they're doing. And at the end of it, I asked them, the entire group of researchers and academics, um, can I help you tell that story? Mm -hmm. Can I join you for an adventure? This isn't going to cost you money. It's, I'll just join you on time. Can I tell your story? And <laughs> the, the response was great, but the action was not. Right. I, I didn't hear back from people. And that that's truly a sad thing because there's so many darn cool things. Yeah that are happening there um, in places that northeastern Utah that you maybe you've never been to and it is gorgeous country that has some major issues and some major some awesome things that are going on and it's aggravating that they're not telling the story I don't know why red tape or maybe their communications department doesn't want to do it but someone comes in and says I'll do it for you and yeah. it still doesn't happen yeah, um, it's super but, frustrating and it, it is you know sometimes it's just that like fear of success, you know, like yeah. what if the story gets told and what if something gets done about this for whatever reason, we fear that success more than we fear the failure, you know, yeah. it's like, you're I, right. I, that is a I conundrum did. that we sometimes have mm -hmm. is that fear of maybe not of not telling our story not knowing how to tell our story. Um, mm -hmm. but I think, I guess that's where we as storytellers have to really take on that responsibility of continuing to sort of bang away on that drum of why it's so important and why it's so important to be doing it in ways like you're doing it and, and making connections that are, that more of the general population may understand or find interest in and, you know, stop. We as educators in, water the environment have to kind of like stop waiting for people to come to us yeah. and go to them and you mm -hmm. know speak in terms and tell the stories that they want to hear um and yeah. i and i think you mentioned this when you're talking about and i don't, I don't remember if i was going to ask you something about this later but um talking about kind of how you have to tweak what your lesson is based on the fact that you are talking to a lot of people who don't have your background, who don't right. have the context that you do and not necessarily like dumbing it down, but you do have to change the words that you use and you do kind of have to start at the very basics and you can't just assume that everyone already has this knowledge that you already have. So, um, there's a lot on our shoulders as storytellers, I guess is basically the whole point of that. In our whole our whole point will have to be, it's like, it's not about us. It's not about what we want the story to be um, and what we want it to sound like or who we're trying to, you know, work with to get that story. It's about the end user, the listener, the reader, the um, video watcher, you know, the resident, the person whose daily life is going about and, and you just happen to get that little 
split moment of it. Yeah. That's who it's for. It's not for to make yourself feel smart or look smarter, look, you know, like that's what <laughs> exactly. we have to tell these scientists and all these engineers and everyone who's not used to these stories that being told, like, it's not about you. I don't care about you at all. Really. I want to yeah. tell your story. I want to tell what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's adventure. Hydrology is not about me. It's I'm just the person who's trying to tell someone else's story, the story of the environment, how it was shaped, how it yeah. became, how it's going away, why it needs to be protected. It, and you know, screw it. If people are not <laughs> responsive, I, I didn't go get. To them. I go to them, and then I have actually, in some instances, stopped asking. Right. I just do. I'd rather apologize than ask for permission now, because that was I've, the story of my life in the city that I worked for. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because if I feel like if you constantly are asking those questions and trying to get someone to sign off on it and get that go ahead and get that green light, then it's going to be months and the topic's gone or, or you'll never do it. So right. the hell with it. I'm just, I'm traveling. I'm going to places that I see have a story to tell. And I wish I had people there with me to tell their story because they're, it's their home. It's how yeah. it affects them. It's their research. It's their science. I can do the best I can to tell it, but it would be great to actually have some, some more partners, and I have. I've had some amazing people. Um, National Geographic explorer and friend of mine, Jamina Garland-Lewis, adventured with her up in the Pacific Northwest, and she is a phenomenal resource, and she's brilliant and fun, and she's one of those people that is a driving force in the science communication. Awesome. Um, my friend Joaquin Baca, he's a Fish and Wildlife Service hydrologist in Region 2. He's the one I did the Colorado, I'm sorry, the Rio Grande story with. Mm -hmm. And he is so gracious and smart and uh, a force for the environment in New Mexico. And that kicks ass because those are the people that can help me tell their story. And I can, in turn, produce something like the Rio Grande is dry for 80 miles. Let's go check that out. Let's go walk through this yeah. river. Um, and I'm looking for more of that. And I'm going to go back to those people and do it again because one story doesn't tell the whole the picture yeah it's just yeah. one it's a snidbit in time so i want to go back when there's a major flood in the rio grande and show it when what it should look like and mm -hmm. how it's behaving or if things continue we're going to go back to the rio grande next year if there's no snowpack we'll go to the reservoirs that are totally dry and texas where you guys are will get zero water and that's a huge story to tell right yeah. so um yeah, yeah. so and you know I'm going to be coming and visiting you ladies for an adventure too. I'm going to drag you guys outside and away from your your office adventures and can't wait. What are you going to do push Just make sure you give us like enough advance warning so we can start training. <laughs> well, there aren't too big of mountains in in Texas. We'll we'll keep it flat. Doesn't matter and it's depending on when you're here, it's hot. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good. Let's let's do it. So it's a wee bit toasty. Um, okay, so we're only a few <laughs> days away from the National Imagine a Day Without Water campaign. And for anyone who doesn't know, that is this national awareness campaign that's put on the value, by the Value of Water Coalition that talks about the need to invest in infrastructure. Um, so 
we can't imagine a better person to talk to about the value of water. And so on our end, we talk a lot about the value of water through the lens of water utilities and the water sector. But mm -hmm. you actually get to capture sort of the majesty and the grandeur of the resource itself in the wild, if you will. So <laughs> how incredibly important is telling that side of the story, your side of the story? Sure. I, I think it is one of the most important things out there. It's, if you're, everybody, hopefully everybody, likes to just walk outside. <laughs> People look at trees or be in the environment. We, we are a part of nature, if you want to say it like that. And I'm, I'm super happy when I'm outside. And I think the way to connect people to water or the environment or science mm -hmm. is to show them the majesty, the grandeur, the, the beauty of what surrounds us every day. Even if it's your local river to, to understand a little bit more about why it's amazing or why there's problems with it. To, to, to have that insight, I think is critical to telling that story. We, if we're talking out here in California, People don't realize, people say all the time, toilet to tap, I don't want to drink my toilet water. <laughs> and I, I frequently ask them, then what do you think you're drinking? We don't have water resources that are uh, as robust as places like St. Louis or on rivers like the, the Colorado or even anywhere on the East Coast where these rainstorms come in and flood communities. So I think the adventure the grandeur, the showing Yosemite, the redwoods, glissading, um, <laughs> climbing <laughs> volcanoes. Yeah, all these crazy things get people to recognize nature and science. That's, that's got to be the catch. You have a master's in hydrology, um, but you're also a lifelong learner just like us. So what are some of the things that you've learned since starting Adventure Hydrology that's just blowing your mind and you just must share today, right now? <laughs> breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah. Hashtag breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> CNN. Uh, <laughs> except they're always breaking news. Hashtag for, real news. Yeah, yeah. Actual news. The thing that constantly blows my mind is how great everybody is at storytelling. Um, people, yeah, people think that they can't tell a story and then I just start asking questions. And mm -hmm. I think once you start asking the right questions, people just tell what they're accustomed to. Right. And that's, that's phenomenal. I don't, I can't tell you stories in certain places that I've never visited, but if you go and talk to one person in a small town, they'll tell you the history, the background of everything, perhaps their family life. And I guarantee you can tease out a story in that. And that's, that's what makes everything I, I'm doing a blast because everybody has a story to tell and that blows my mind frequently. I don't have to come up with content. I can just go to a place, meet a couple people and they can tell me that they're their pumping groundwater. Like, yeah, they're exactly, whatever. Yeah, dogs they and know. family life, what they're doing, how, they're, how they drink water for, I don't know, anything. And I think that's really, really awesome. Um, because, like as you said, as a lifelong learner, I want to learn ab about as much as I can from different perspectives. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you get this tunnel vision and you don't realize that what you never saw as a problem is a major issue for these people. Or what you never saw or thought of as a solution was thought of by a nine-year-old 
kid that's floating down the river and they just right. said, oh, well, what about this? Holy cow, that would be brilliant. Can we do that? Mm -hmm. So that blows my mind all the time. Um, and it's people's wanting to learn. They want, people want to know stuff. Mm -hmm. now, whatever that stuff is, it doesn't have like to be Google water. Works. It can be, it does, exactly. Yeah. Well, it works for us. Yeah, well, the Google also, is a baller. <laughs> it's also like when, I mean, you don't know to ask what you don't know. And so yeah. it's just, I think um, sometimes we get too down and feel like nobody cares, but maybe there's a lot of people in this country. You talk about liking to go outside. There's a lot of people in this country who just don't anymore. And that's because yeah. they don't live in places that are conducive to that. And just why would they know why it's important to protect this natural resource when they've never seen it or experienced it? Um, I feel like that's kind of like the power behind what you're doing is a lot of people don't have the ability to climb up mountains mm -hmm. or glis go glissading down mm -hmm. mountains. And so like you're giving yeah. people the opportunity to, to live vicariously through you. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I also think that story, you know, hearing you talk about hearing other people's stories is that, transfer of stories or that trading of stories is what really to me creates connection and that's what really drives it home so I, I feel like probably every person that you've had a one-on-one -on -one connection with probably sees water a lot differently now than they did before they met you and that's one of the reasons why we're so passionate about storytelling and about telling water story and um all the other water storytellers out there because sure. it just like water is has this the molecule itself is 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 good about bonding, and for some reason that translates into its impact on the human race. So it connects us as well. But wow, I mm -hmm. went real deep there. Sorry. I like it. Hey, <laughs> you got to go deep. That, and, but that's an important connection to make, and that's I think that's why it's important to talk to people, hear their stories, mm -hmm. understand what they see as important. Because I don't want to tell. I don't want to come up with stories if they're already there. There's no yeah. need to do that. Um, and I love being, and, and thank you for the compliment, but I love being the one who, who takes people, you know, it's video, sure, but takes people on top of a mountain because that's, that's what I want you to do. And literally, if people want to join me, I would love to have that happen. I will talk your ear off on water as we <laughs> climb a mountain and you're going to hate me for it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. There should be snow up here. Shut up. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's the fun part of all this. And it's, it's those connections and hearing the stories and knowing that people do give a hoot. It's just how do you, how do you connect those dots and um, how do you tease the story from them in the first place? And if you really want to see Chris nerd out, about something other than water, just ask them about dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, I love dinosaurs. They're awesome. You go to Dinosaur like, National Monument. That was, I, cool. that was such yeah. a cool episode. Yeah. You yeah. had like the wonder of like a little kid. You were like in your element. It was yep. so like that's how I knew I was gonna marry the man that I'm married to because we got into an argument about dinosaurs <laughs> on a date awesome. in the middle of the Dixie Chicken, which is a tiny little um you know, bar in College Station in Aggieland. And, you know, I thought, man, this is the one. Like, <laughs> we were going head to head with this argument. And I, I mean, I'm pro dinosaur, obviously. 
sure. and, you know, and I was just, I want him over in the end, but he's still, he just can't fathom that. And I'm just like, I know he's listening right now and he's going Good. to tell me, but that's how I knew he was the one. Aww. Go to dinosaur national monument. I need to, I'll oh, yeah. finish editing the episode, but I went during the winter at that conference I was talking about. And I was literally the only person in the entire monument. And if you ever get the chance to experience a, a national monument or a national park by yourself, it's, mm. it's pretty creepy Yeah, um, because yeah. you're in canyons and walking around these places and it's just the most serene, crazy silence and silence is not silent. It's crazy how loud it is yeah. um, with yeah. all the noise. You, yeah. When you remove people noise, it's nature's loud. Um, but you can touch dinosaur bones. There's a dino quarry. And I was, again, the only one. It was so cool. And there's <laughs> thousands of dinosaur bones. And there's a history behind it. And there's a story behind it. And funny enough, guess what? All those bones are there because of a river. Ooh. Telling you everything's connected to water. Everything's about water. Yeah. All <laughs> these thousands of bones are here because of a river. Thank you, Adventure Hydrology. Thank <laughs> well, thank you, River. But <laughs> yeah. hashtag Adventure Hydrology. There you go. Yeah. Get that hashtag in there. Hashtag, yeah. <laughs> so you are quite literally teaching the next generation about the badassery of water. <laughs> and one <laughs> of our favorite quotes is by Baba Diem. I'm probably saying their name wrong. And it says, um, I know. In the end, we will conserve only what we love. We will love only what we understand. And we will understand only what we are taught. So... Hearing that quote, tell us why education around water and natural resources and natural treasures that you climb up and rappel down <laughs> should be a priority across all levels. Sure. I think awareness is the first step to action. Hmm. If you don't know that the Rio Grande goes dry during the summer, then you're not going to try to do something about it. Yep. If you don't realize that you're in a drought, then you're going to have a green lawn in Southern California or shoot for some God knows why reason, Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't understand that your beach is closed in Florida because of a red tide that is killing literally the animals that are in the beach and can kill you, mm -hmm. then you're going to go swimming. Mm -hmm. So by understanding and being aware and just having some sort of education, some knowledge, some insight, into the treasures around your home, your neighborhood, your state, shoot, your country, then you're, you can start telling other people and it telephones, it, it explodes from that point. You become more aware and people hopefully see that there's a problem and that they want to protect it. They understand that this park is critical, that this resource is going away, that if it goes away, it will never come back. And awareness is that first step. So what I'm doing is trying to spread the awareness and that's through adventure. I don't want it to be overly technical. Yeah. If you check out the episodes and everybody that hears this podcast, please check out the episodes. I try to make it fun and exciting and adventurous, but if you read the pop-ups, you'll get some information there too. I'm not just constantly talking. I will explain vocabulary if it's mm -hmm. some big silly word because that word is something you need to know. Or yeah. mm -hmm. if it stays with you, then great. You'll hear it again next time. But if you don't understand what's around you and you aren't taught the value, the importance of it, then I don't think you will protect it. 
you will just stay on the status quo and when it's gone it's gone and you'll never be able to get it back and you will have wasted the opportunity to do something for an area or a people or a culture or a livelihood or whatever you want to say you will you will have lost the opportunity to take the damn action you need to take That's right. to thing you didn't even know you loved because you yeah, just yeah. didn't know it existed so so let's change that and let's get people to recognize everywhere that that there's some really cool stuff out there and we can actually make a difference to protect it. Mm -hmm. so. that. And you're telling your story through video. That's kind of the medium or the platform mm -hmm. that you've chosen to do that by. So can you kind of walk us through a little bit of your process and how you plan out your episodes? Not sure. too much detail because, you know, we want <laughs> you to like school everyone at Catalyst 2019. Yeah. Uh, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, so yes. it's like the... Yeah. To uh, elevator speech for it. Yeah, oh, and for and keep in mind for someone who is on the municipal side who may have access to a few cool pieces of equipment, but no training and and feels overwhelmed. I'm just I'm talking about myself during that time. Feels overwhelmed <laughs> about okay, well, how do I even shoot this video and like what should it be about and like, you know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I try to storyboard darn near every video that I go out with. Um, or that I'm coming up with the ideas, but I, I do rough storyboards. I, I don't want it to be uh, scripted. I think that's, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, so the first thing I do is I identify a problem. I identify something fun after that, you know, what, where's the story and then how can I go adventure? Crazy enough. When I present that, I switch those. I say, okay, let's put it in the adventure first. And by the way, Here's what that adventure is tied to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really critical. It's, it's how you yeah. sell it. So how are you going to, in a municipal level, how are you going to make um, stormwater yeah. <laughs> sexy? How are you going to put <laughs> trash capture devices? Yeah, exactly. How are we going to make that sexy? Well, what's the importance? Why do we need it? Can you show the cool installation? The, there was something I heard back in the day and I think it was a political thing, but it, it follows up. It's the acronym KISS, you know, government. We all used acronyms. I'm trying to get away from them, but it's <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. So what's the easiest way to present the story? What are you trying to say? How are you going to connect it to the people that are there? Why is it important to them? These are all questions that I try to tie into my videos. And sometimes it's, it's not important to people in New York. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I can tell you that there's a story in New York that I'm wanting to do that's not important to people in California. But New Yorkers right. are going to flip when their bagels start tasting funky because they're changing their water supply. Yeah. And not even funky. Just different. Just different. And yep. my friends, it. yeah, it's, but it's sacrilegious to say that, that yeah. New York pizza and, and hey. bagels. And it might change the flavor. So, but if you're in California, who cares? Or Pacific Northwest. But if you're in New York, oh. That is a big problem. So yeah, it's, I think just, uh, I guess, quick summary of that, um, but not too much detail is just mm -hmm. know your audience, know what the problem is in case what I'm trying to do, you know, that's how I do it. And then I tie it to an adventure and make it as fun and short and sweet. I'm not mm -hmm. producing really long episodes because I think, especially in the municipal world, people aren't going to think that the city of fill in the blank has a robust communications department that is like, yeah, hip with it. And I don't know, whatever, Ilan, 
whatever the kids are saying these days. Um, <laughs> not that we're not kids, so to speak, but it's, funny. it's, it's important to just keep it fun, exciting and find the, the way to make it short, sweet and just simple as all hell. Because once you get enough people, I think that's when it'll take off. You can do the long episodes and the people that give a hoot will watch the rest of it yeah. until then. You know, it's just about having fun. So yeah. we'll get more into it at Catalyst. Right. That's right. Well, before we go to 2019, let's go back to last month. <laughs> let's do it. And talk about this seminar on climate change that you went to. Yeah. Sure. How was that? It was cool. So that is, uh, so I don't mean to name drop. It's Al Gore's Climate Reality Leadership. And it's, okay. it's tied to a lot of the uh, Inconvenient Truth episodes. So there's a nonprofit out there. Cool. And they go around the country trying to tell people more about climate change. They're really focused on a lot of greenhouse gas reductions and how we can get the climate back to a stable, t- stable spot. Um, and it was really cool. It, it had a lot of information. Now I've officially, ba- I am trained as a climate leader or climate reality leader. So I'm going to start going around and so speaking. Reality to, star? Yeah, kind of climate reality star. Mm-hmm. So I want to start going around and talking to people about not just climate change and greenhouse gas, but actually give it my spin. I want to talk to them about water. I'm going to talk to them yeah, about like climate how, care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's those crazies who don't believe in climate change, <laughs> you know, but that's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Go yeah. with climate care. Just take care of what you're, where you're at, the environment you're living in. And I promise you, you know, it will feel the other people, the rest of the world will feel that if you take care of your little world. Exactly. Thank you for that. Climate care. Exactly. Yeah. Whether you agree or disagree with, it's called anthropogenic climate change. Big word. I know it just means people (laughs) and beasts. Yeah. Right. I know it's big words. It's silly. It's more fun to say anthropogenic, anthro. Yeah. It's more fun. Anthropogenic. Yeah. Progenic. Okay. Um, Um, but yeah, it's whether or not it doesn't matter either way. But yes, climate care. It's just taking care of your your local environment. Maybe you bike to the grocery store or walk instead of drive. You save money. That's awesome. You're cutting down on greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You're getting some exercise. Come on. This is this three awesome things. Yeah. That's simple, easy. Just stuff like that. So I'm going to spin it so it's a little more water oriented. So maybe you don't mm-hmm. take that 25 minute shower. Maybe mm-hmm. You water your yard during times of drought when you're supposed to. Maybe you remove turf via the incentives. I, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of cool stuff you can do. Yeah. A lot um, of things. There's so yeah, many options. Exactly. And so that's, that's the, it was a cool seminar. A lot of really amazing awesome. people, a lot of great speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, crosses political divides, which is excellent. Yeah. Because this independence of what people think, um, it affects us all. You know, poor, yeah, right. rich, a little bit different in those instances. You know, the wealthy can go beyond maybe the poor are well i think they're absolutely impacted but i think that together in these little they seem minor uh changes but if we all are chipping away at this huge problem then we'll get it we'll we'll get it taken care of so it was cool and most people think that they have to like cold turkey you know their entire lives everything that they're used to i'm like no you know just start small pick one thing and start small, you know, you, you talk about like the impact of 
food and what you choose to eat. And that impacts mm -hmm. everything from, uh, I mean, there's methane gas release and there's like the water that it takes to grow the alfalfa, like you were talking about earlier. And mm -hmm. so it's not like, okay, stop eating entirely or stop eating meat entirely, but maybe just like not yeah. as often or not every meal or, you know, like there's ways exactly. to, there's ways to make an impact that don't have to be just mm -hmm. cold turkeying everything that you've grown to love in life. So exactly. Um, you got Almonds a pretty cool pin like too. That, right? Like what was your pin about? Oh, the pin is, it's a graduation pin of sorts. Ah, it's, a, it's the, it's an O. So I think it's symbolic for maybe infinity or the constant, it's kind of like the inso around my logo with the wolf, mm -hmm. where I think it's just this perpetual momentum that you want to maintain and keep pushing forward. And it's unity and all these mm -hmm. neat concepts that you can tie into a circle. Um, you know, one planet, one Earth. So it's, it's pretty cool. It, it was a fun little soiree. Got to meet some neat people, talk about some cool stuff. And it's amazing that from artists to entrepreneurs to scientists to engineers to i don't know mom and dads or people that are yeah. protecting their lands native americans or um, met some really awesome people from canada they're part of the first peoples up there and and it just and across the country and africa and different continents all about the same one world concept and it was it was pretty neat to see that though we're all facing a similar challenge we're all starting to come together to face that challenge yeah so, we all are we all are connected the world is shrinking yeah it's, this is the only one i'm aware we have so <laughs> yeah right i don't want to go to mars <clears throat> nah it'd be cool but well, eh, maybe it'd literally be cool for like a weekend or something you know yeah. i don't know that i'm ready i prefer the color blue and yeah, yeah. Like agreed we were gonna like try and play like a little game here that we've never done before <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Where we were gonna um Yep. Literally make everything about water. Let's do it. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I've been wanting this challenge. I've I've thrown it out and people don't Okay. Well, Ooh, like okay. Well seven degrees of Kevin Bacon water game. Okay, so you know, we've always believed that our superpower is that we can make everything about water. And the first time that we talked to you, you mentioned that you too possess this superpower. And so we decided that we'd end with a little game and see, you know, just how awesome we can be at making literally anything about water. So we have this um, random word generator uh, and we're going to throw out some words and we have to make them all about water okay taxi that seems pretty easy <laughs> is that to him or to you what was the word taxi <laughs> like the cabs in new york taxi that park next to the hot dog stand mm -hmm. well we could tie that right there that have um, <laughs> yeah well okay taxis and especially in new york get you out of any of the rainfall that happens in new york especially during those times you have to manufacture every single freaking part of a taxi via water, which is, yep. I'll try not to default to that too much, but um, you can also figure that they have to clean those taxis with something. So hopefully right. it's, it's bleach, but then a nice wipe down of some sterilized water. <laughs> um, from that, I could say that the fuel that it 
runs on is manufactured, sure. produced with water. If you're talking any of the mining that it takes to get that or the fracking that they use now or any of the hydraulic, et cetera, et cetera. How about the word potential? Potential? Potential. P-O-T. Potential. Yeah. Sorry, that's my Midwest accent. Yeah. Potential. <laughs> potential. Potential. Sure. Um, well, I could say potential <laughs> with, uh, I'm going to use it for an energy thing. Ooh, so okay. any of the dams that we have that produce energy via hydroelectric, actually the reservoirs themselves are sitting there as potential energy. So those reservoirs, mm. besides drinking water, are utilized as a, as a resource for producing energy. That water is potential energy. Once it runs down and starts lighting up places, that is kinetic energy. But, you know, tying the two together with energy production, boom, uh, potential energy, water energy. Yeah. I love it. How about exclusive? Oh, <laughs> How about you're talking to the exclusive podcast hosted by two <laughs> women in Ooh. water? <laughs> there we go. I like that. That's okay. the best podcast out there. Especially when it comes with water. I think you Appreciate guys are doing you. an excellent job doing it, listening to a bunch of them. Um, and yeah, it's this is an exclusive interview as well. And it I'm is. the only adventure oh, hydrologist out there. That's true. How about the word chalk? Chalk? Um, sure. We're, chalk is essentially uh, like a calcium. The calcium is coming from the land. They probably either had to mine it or utilize it. And a man, or to derive it, to create it, I guarantee there is water. I don't know how exactly chalk is made, but I'm sure I could watch an episode on it. How about ooh, amber? Amber. Amber is the color of your energy. I love that song. Yeah, that's three eleven. Three eleven. Um. Well, I don't know. I know one. I got okay, one. Go for it. Amber. I like it. The the mosquito that was that's that's what I was gonna use. That yeah. was in the amber on Jurassic Park that basically restarted all forms of dinosaur life. Yeah. Water. God. We well, do dinosaur cells every day. Well, you have to start with that. Let's well so I got so excited. I got so excited to bring up dinosaurs. No, that's that's what I was gonna use. I wasn't exactly sure if we just meant the color, but yeah, yeah so that came from a tree that then had to have... Uh, Thank you. The tree had to have water. Water to survive way back in the day during probably a more humid and tropical water-filled mm -hmm. eon period that then encased the said Jurassic Park mosquito. Then we used, I guarantee, we you know used um, manufacturing or whatever, the scientists. There was probably a hydrologist in there somewhere being <laughs> like, we can extract it this way. So yeah, definitely has to deal with water. Okay, let's do one more. One more. That's let's a pretty it. hard one. Will you say it? Gaff? G-A-F-F-E? I would have said gaffy. <laughs> okay, can you please define that in a sentence? <laughs> no. Uh, I, okay. Gaff, I thought, meant like... Um, like, like a, a mistake or a yeah. mess up. An unintentional okay. act or remark causing embarrassment to its originator. A blunder. Mm. Oh, a political gaff. Yeah. Oh, I've, I know that. Two okay. That was for Chris. You keep on taking his I'm turns. Sorry. I like, I, hey, this is good. I want everybody out there, hopefully, you can playing with us and be like, no, here's how I would have no, used this that. This is how I would have used gaff. Exactly. Um, gaff, I would say, I'm going to go with water policy for the last hundred years or the. <laughs> oh boy. I know. Well, I'm going to say the Colorado River Compact at the time that they put it there. So that's what allocates water off the Colorado River for pretty much the entire Southwest. 
and they did it during a time of uh, plenty. They had a lot of water mm -hmm. and they assumed that they would have that much, much water into perpetuity. And that was a gaffe. They definitely messed up on that because now we have way less water and we're having problems trying to allocate <laughs> way less of a resource to way more people. I think that's a gaffe. Boom. We love to hear what our guests are uh, reading these days, mm -hmm. um, whether it's reading or listening to or watching. Um, but what kind of book um, gets you fired up or what kind of resource gets you fired up um, either a long time love or one that recently you're just like, damn. <laughs> oh, well, when it comes to books, I'm actually rolling through a bunch of books, um, trying to get away from the technical stuff, but I, I've been also trying to get away from the science side because I'm constantly doing research for adventure ideology right. and trying to come up with stories and take really technical information and big words and distill them into a digestible it's okay man. if it's John Grisham it's fine <laughs> no this last one um, I've been traveling to LA for uh, conferences and to pitch adventure hydrology to turn into a TV show so fingers crossed on that Dig it. yeah and during that time if you've ever tried to drive to LA it's about a oh, man, I don't know three to five hour journey meeting driving somewhere I listen to these audiobooks and it would be this one is firefight Ooh, of the okay. Reckoners series. Okay. It's, Firefight it's super cool. Yeah, the Reckoners quick, series. Yeah, quick premise. I'll just give this a plug because it was a badass book. Um, there's a star that appears in the distance called Calamity. And then all of a sudden, certain people start getting superpowers. And Ooh. if you use their superpowers, you become evil. So Ooh. there is no good superhero. They all just become very, very bad and different. And it continues that. The Reckoners, Reckoners wow. are trying to... The opposite of the Avengers. Yeah, they're trying to bring those, they're called epics. They're trying to bring the epics mm. back down or just straight up, you know, remove them because... You got a wreck shop on them. Yeah, they're, they're bringing the, the Reckoning in. Hashtag exactly. Aggies. But it's cool. You should, you should check it out. It's definitely a good mind um, escape from the technical world yeah. of water. Yeah, that's that reminds me of Stephanie's fun story about Twilight. I um, it was my nice. fun read. I just wanted to read Twilight. Here she was like, oh, I was working on my masters and and studying all these big books, and I just wanted to like read something easy. And so then, I went to Twilight. I was like, dang, Twilight was hard for me. Like trying to wrap my head <laughs> around the wolf and the vampire. Right. Too. So yeah. what's one thing that you do every day that drives your productivity? Endorphins. I exercise, I run, I hike. It gets me, like I mentioned earlier, ready for the next adventure, whatever the heck that mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. But it also gets me the hell away from my desk or the journal I'm reading or the outreach or engagement I'm, I'm doing. It allows me to just be with me and my dog and to burn some of that energy that we all need to burn when we've been staring at a monitor for- Let's go a little deeper. Do you like hours. to run? Are you a yogi? Obviously, you like to hike and all that. Like, what? But what do you wake up and you go just run out your door and you're going to do what? Lift weights, chug a power drink. Yeah, um, I I go running every morning. Okay. And it's trail running. I don't run in circles. I oh, run yeah. up and down and left and right and around rocks. And I am a very hardcore yogi. I do yoga four to I don't know seven times a week. Wow. Um, big fan Gosh, of meditation. If I can do that. 
that many times yeah. a year, I would feel great. Then do it. You just got to do it. So that's the whole point is you just got to do it. Exactly. So I do that. I do a lot of yoga. It's great for getting me back on you know, mentally when I'm stressed out or I can't find that right edit that I'm trying to do. Um, <laughs> I also make sure to just spend time with when my family's in town or with friends. Turning off adventure hydrology is something that is very difficult for me as an entrepreneur, a business owner, someone who's trying to make this as successful and fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. So getting away from it helps drive productivity when I get back to it. So yeah. I actually took Labor Day off. It was great. Good. And yeah, because I worked that that climate conference was work, 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 constantly uh -huh. networking and learning. And, and I definitely needed a break after that. So that helps productivity. So running, yoga, I do lift weights. But I also, it's important for me to be fit for being active, not fit for picking things up and putting things down. Mm -hmm. So not that there's a problem with that. I just, you know, you need to be active for picking things up and putting things down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> it, it works for other people for what I'm trying to do. It's not as advantageous. Yeah. Sure. I get it. Why not? All right. So cool. we find ourselves at our, at our last question and this is the one that we ask all of our guests, but okay. um, a lot of times we find that, you know, sometimes people are like, well, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. That's not going to make a big impact, but we don't agree with that. And we feel that one person making a change can make a, can make an impact. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe can ultimately change the world? If everybody found the one passion in nature that they're pumped about, that they're excited about, that they care about, and then they tell people about it, mm -hmm. then we can change it. Because if mm -hmm. you're excited about farming, then tell people about how you farm sustainably. If you're excited about growing wine and drinking it, then tell people about how it's made. Share your knowledge. And by sharing your knowledge and your passion, I think then it will either help people realize that maybe that's their passion or they will get excited and find their own. Right. It's contagious. And exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's make pursuing your passion and, and doing better for the environment, whatever that means for you as an individual. Um, and sharing that is, is I think it's that awareness. It's, it's what will change the world It's just knowing that there's a world outside of whatever's in your head that, that together we can all kick butt and protect and understand it and, pursue our passions and I guarantee it's tied to someone else's. And, and if that means you like crocheting, I guarantee <laughs> you can change the world with your crochet you know, oh, sell a sustainable hat or whatever it is, but, but we can, by pursuing your passion, I think anyone can change the world. Yeah. Agreed. Great. So, well, speaking of sharing stories, thank you for sharing yours with us today. Yes. We appreciate it. And, your time looking forward to the next um adventure, adventure. Mm -hmm. and remember everyone to follow chris at at adventure hydrology on instagram and on youtube check out all of the videos that he has thus far they're great and share them that's most importantly check them share, out share, and then share share share, share. please share so. and comment give me a heads up on on if you like them if you want to know more if you have an adventure that you want to know more about or that I've not gone on, 
I, I love answering those kind of questions. If you want to know more about what hydrology is or how to become a hydrologist or, or anything, yeah, just, just give me a shout. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's all fun. I'm working on season two now. So season one is, is wrapped up. You can check out all that and be getting into some how to's and why do's. So a little more, yeah, exciting. Why does, why do straws suck? You can kind of see that, that first why do episode out there. And we're going to show you how do we do X, Y, Z. How do you get food? How do you do this? So it'll be really fun. Season two is going to be a blast. And I hope you all stay tuned to it. And yeah, definitely follow me. Check me out on all the things at Adventure Hydrology. And um, yeah, I appreciate you ladies bringing me on this fun little adventure with you. <laughs> no worries. And we're looking forward to whatever you have in store for us when you come to Texas. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, let's see what you have in store for me. We'll, we'll spin it. We'll go both ways. All I'll right. take you on one and you take me on one. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Chris today. You will definitely want to check out the Adventure Hydrology series on YouTube. It's amazing. And while you are on the interwebs, you can also visit the h2duo.com forward slash water in real life and check out the show notes. We timestamp them for you and we include links to any of the resources that we mentioned during the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. I promise we don't bug you. We just let you know when podcasts are released. And, you know, we only send something out when we have something legit to say. If you're an iTunes listener, do us a solid and rate and review us there. Be sure to follow us in our shenanigans on Instagram and Twitter as well at the underscore H2 duo. Shout out to our sponsor, Drop Counter. Imagine H2O brought us together and it's been awesome to collaborate with them on communication initiatives. You can learn more about them and check them out at the H2Duo.com forward slash Drop Counter. And we're not even joking. Their newsletter is legit. That's another one to sign up for too. We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. 